Welcome back to the Daily Devotion. My name is Kevin. I'm the pastor of Christ Church Conway, a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America here in Conway, Arkansas. The Daily Devotion is a time for us to be strengthened in our faith through the study of Scripture and theology. We're working our way, as you know, if you've been with us through the the Gospel of Galatians, the letter to the Galatians, this incredible letter that Paul wrote reminding the Galatians of the gospel, defending his ministry as centered on Christ and rightly centered on Christ, rightly centered on the proclamation of justification by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, and not justification by works of the law. He had been encountering various forms of opposition, various accusations, and he's responded to many of those already, as we've seen in the book of Galatians. And he's been working his way through this kind of autobiographical section where he explains his life to us and and kind of building his case that the gospel that he is preaching is actually the true gospel. And so we've come now up to Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 through 15. Let me pray for us, and then we'll jump in and look at what Paul says to us today. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Paul's steady defense of the gospel. We thank you for the clarity with which he lays things out in the book of Galatians, and we pray that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, that your spirit indeed would be at work, that we might understand and believe your word. Father, guide us even now. Guide me as I speak. Guide us all as we listen and think about your word. Change us by your living word, we ask in Christ's most precious name. Amen. So this is what Paul writes in Galatians chapter 2, beginning in verse 11. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? Well, there we have it. Now we've kind of gotten directly to the heart of the matter with that very last question. But... Here we see something of a showdown between, you know, two heavyweights of Christianity, right? Here you've got Peter and Paul, and Paul is opposing Peter to his face because he has shown up in Antioch, and Paul tells him right to his face, he stands condemned. He opposes him because Paul sees Peter as standing condemned. Think about the weight of that. Condemned. He's, I mean, we're told in, in Romans, because of the gospel, there is no condemnation because of what Christ has done for us. But here, Paul is telling us that Peter stands condemned. Why? On what grounds could he possibly make such a statement about the apostle Peter? Well, he tells us in verse 12. Before certain men came from James, now we don't know exactly what the relationship of these men and James was. We we know that people have used this verse and, and other things to try to drive a wedge between James and Paul. This is a wedge that is falsely driven. There's actually not 
a, a hard division like some try to, to make between James and Paul. Their theology and the way they lay things out is actually perfectly reconcilable. If we, could have, we don't have time today, but sometime perhaps we'll look at James 2 and, and see how what James is saying there, this point that people so often try to drive the wedge in, what James is saying there in James 2 about faith and works and works proving our faith, that, that that's not actually irreconcilable with Paul's doctrine of justification by faith. So we don't know exactly what the, the tension was. Were they actually from James? Was James uh, as kind of the, was he just kind of the de facto leader in Jerusalem? So anyone from Jerusalem could be considered from James or, or were they using his name to try to gain authority? And, and so they weren't actually sent from James, but they were associating himself with James in order to gain a hearing, in order to present themselves as having more authority. We don't know, but nonetheless, before these people showed up, Peter was eating with the Gentiles, had no problem with it, sat down, ate dinner with them, had meals with them, whatever. Now, here's why this would have been an issue. In Old Testament law, Gentiles would have been considered unclean. And so to eat with the Gentiles would have been to make yourself unclean. It's highly likely that if he was eating with the Gentiles, he was eating what the Gentiles were eating. And so the food was probably unclean. And Peter was all in. He was eating with them. Now, why would he do such a thing? Well, we look back to Acts chapter 10, and we see that God had come to Peter and had let down this sheet with all of this unclean food and told him to rise and kill and eat. And Peter's objection was, Nothing unclean has ever touched my lips. I've never done such a thing. And God says to him, don't call unclean what I have made clean. And and so from that point on, Peter's got this right understanding of the gospel. But now, though he was eating with the Gentiles, when these people from James, when these Judaizers showed up, it it tells us in verse 12, he withdrew. He, He drew back and separated himself fearing the circumcision party. All of a sudden, these people from James show up, this circumcision party that Paul calls them, this this group of people that wanted to, to require the law, and Peter is scared of them. He fears what they would say, what they would think, what they would do. We don't know exactly, but but all of a sudden, he's acting in the fear of man. No longer in the fear of God, no longer trusting Christ, no longer with his eyes fixed on Jesus and believing the gospel and not calling things unclean that God has made clean, but now fearing man. And so Paul tells him, Paul says, he tells us that because of that, Peter stands condemned. But not only that, it seems that that these Judaizers, this circumcision party and Peter's action led other people astray as well. The rest of the Jews acted hypocritically right along with Peter. Even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. And notice Paul is calling it here hypocrisy. He's saying, look, y'all aren't even doing what you believe. Y'all are cutting people off that you believe are part of the family of God. And so he says in verse 14, when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel. And that's the issue. That that the gospel is the announcement of what Christ has done. That's what the gospel is. That Jesus died on the cross. He lived this perfect life, 
never sinned, died on the cross in our place, in the place of his people, and rose again in victory over sin and death. So that when we look to him by faith, we are saved. His righteousness is credited to our account. Paul sums up the gospel in Acts, I'm sorry, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He gives us this simple statement. He says, in, beginning in verse 3, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. That's the gospel. The gospel, the good news that we're to proclaim is the finished work of Jesus Christ. Okay? We've got to be very clear on that. That's the indicative, what Christ has done for us, and it's enough. But we see in verse 14 that there is conduct that is in step with the gospel. Now, the conduct isn't the gospel, Perhaps sometimes we can dive into the difference between the gospel and its fruit, but Paul is saying their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel. What was the truth of the gospel? That anyone in Christ was clean. That anyone in Christ by faith stood justified before God. That anyone who looked to Christ in faith was counted as a child of Abraham. That anyone who looked to Christ in faith was a child of God, fully justified, had full standing in the people of God, was no longer an outsider. There were no second-class citizens. Christ died for them, and their sins had been washed away, and they stood justified. Therefore, conduct in step with the truth of the gospel is to fully accept those into the body of Christ for whom Christ died. There are no second-class citizens. There's not groups of people in the church that are divided up on some reason and, and given standing based on something other than the gospel. And when we do that, when we separate ourselves from other Christians for reasons other than the gospel, there's a problem. When we refuse fellowship with someone because of anything other than Christ, when we refuse Christian fellowship to someone on the basis of anything other than unbelief, there's a problem. And and our conduct at that point is not in step with the truth of the gospel. And that's what Peter was doing. He was refusing Christian fellowship to these Gentiles. He was refusing to eat with them even though he knew better, even though Jesus in in Acts 10, God had told him better, still this is what he was doing. So when we refuse Christian fellowship, when we refuse to, to be with people as Christians for some reason other than that they don't believe the gospel, we're committing the same sin that Peter was and we too stand condemned. Paul asks him this question. And he says he did this before everybody. I mean, this was, this was a serious showdown. If you, Peter, although you are a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, in other words, if you have the freedom to set the law aside, these laws of circumcision and, and cleanliness and clean food and unclean food, if you 
get to set that aside and live like a Gentile, then how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? In other words, Peter, if you get to set that aside, why do they have to take it up? See, that's the real issue here. Peter was requiring, by his separating himself from the Gentiles, he was requiring something of them in order to be in fellowship with him. And Paul says, no, that is not how this works. Our standing is only in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so Peter stood condemned. Friends, if we are refusing fellowship with other people, for any reason other, if we're refusing Christian fellowship for any reason other than someone's unbelief in the gospel, then we, like Peter, are dividing up the body of Christ and we stand condemned as well. This is why we must hold to the gospel and nothing else, nothing else. Our standing, our hope, our identity, our security is found in Jesus and him alone. Might we learn to rest there. Amen.